Hello, and welcome to my very first podcast on my law school application experience. I hope that I can help some of you by sharing some of the tips I learned during my application approach, which has led me to success thus far. It's only the middle of November, and I've already received two full-ride scholarships from schools that I would be delighted to attend. Though this does not make my decision-making process any easier, believe me. So I uh, wanted to start podcasting to kind of um, offer another way for potential or um, current law school applicants to kind of maybe reap the benefits of my trial and error of kind of going through this process um, pretty much on my own. So you decided to take the plunge. The first thing I want to tell you is that it's not like TV being an attorney. Um, I worked as a paralegal for six years before I decided that I wanted to go ahead and pursue um, the next step in my education and go from working as a paralegal to um, working as an attorney. And I saw over my six years um, an environment that is far different from the glamorized Hollywood um, depiction of what attorneys do. Attorneys are stressed, they work very long hours, and if they work in a law firm, they're pressured by the billable hour. That's how attorneys um, get paid, and that's how they contribute to the firm. Uh, Everything that they do, they have to log usually by a tenth or a quarter of an hour, including phone calls, anytime they're even researching or thinking about a case. Um, So it's kind of like they always have this monkey on their back thinking about, okay, what am I doing right now? Um, Is it billable? Who can I bill it to? Um, You know, it can be kind of a burden when you think about it. Also, the pay is not necessarily what you would expect. Unfortunately, on TV and movies, we see attorneys driving Ferraris and living in, you know, million-dollar penthouses. And that's just rarely the case. It seems like, um, in actuality, it's only about 10% or even fewer of the attorneys in the profession um, actually have that lifestyle. Um, my background is in a middle-sized firm where most of the attorneys are driving Toyotas and Fords and living in modest um, middle-class homes. So it's not as fabulous as you might think. Um, also, fresh out of the water associates, which I call freshies, work late and they come to work early. Sometimes I question if they ever um, leave the firm. I've driven by later in the evening, 10 o'clock or so, and their cars are still there at the firm. Um, So my point is to make sure you're doing this for the right reasons and you truly understand what you're undertaking. For some people, the worst part about going to law school is that you may actually end up practicing law. If you're feeling this way, maybe it's time to reassess. There are now other graduate degree options that are almost alternatives from the traditional route of law school, such as a master's in public affairs. Don't go to law school just because you think it's the next step without knowing what your end goal really is. So if you're sure that this is really for you and you want to start the process, the first step is really um, to start thinking about taking the LSAT. Um, This is a prerequisite to get into all ABA, American Bar Association, approved law school. So um, there are a variety of preparation options. The first one is a formal prep course, which is great for applicants who can afford to take it or applicants who really need that structure. They need that accountability. They really want the reassurance of having an instructor on hand to guide them through the topics. Um, The downside of this is that preparatory 
courses are very expensive. Um, on the lower end range and even for some online classes where you still have access to an instructor and there's like a syllabus and you have that structure, um, those can run around $500. Now they can run as high as $10,000 for a summer intensive program. Um, I know like Kaplan offers um, something like that and I believe PowerScore as well. Um, I mentioned Kaplan, PowerScore, the Princeton Review um, is another big test prep company. Um, the option that I took was I uh, self-studied and uh, the reason why is for one, I couldn't afford a prep course. Um, second, I had scheduling conflicts and time constraints. Um, so, you know, I really could not actually schedule in that time to take the prep course. Um, but you, you have to be conscientious of the fact that you're going to have to devote several hours a week and be able to take full length practice tests at a minimum once a week for two months. So that's eight tests. This means sitting down for four hours to take each timed test. I also really recommend um, and wouldn't have it any other way, you must sit down again for several hours later that day or the next day to review the exam that you took. Otherwise, you're wasting a very big beneficial key component of um, taking the practice tests. You know, if you're self-motivated and you don't need the accountability, I really would recommend self-studying. For me, I wanted to be able to figure out what worked for me and how to learn those key concepts without being spoon-fed because I felt like that would make me understand the material that much more. But do not freak out when having difficulty learning a concept. If, if you're the kind of student that if you don't understand something, you get down on yourself and panic and really need that instructor's help, then self-studying really may not be the best option for you. This is how I designed my self-study course. I purchased the PowerScore Logic Games Bible and the PowerScore Logical Reasoning Bible. And I also gathered um, 15 of the most recent LSAT practice exams. And these items can all be purchased on websites like Amazon.com or for the PowerScore materials, you can purchase them directly from PowerScore online at www.powerscore.com backslash LSAT. You also need a digital timer and I just used um, a dollar store kitchen timer. Also, uh, an item that I really enjoyed using was the LSAT study proctor timer, which I um, you can do a free version where you've got one section of the test available to you, but it is a simulated proctor, so it has the timing feature as well as the five-minute warning, and I got that from uh, Strategy LSAT Prep, and the website for that is www.strategyprep.com backslash timer. I also recommend using a wristwatch and use this while you're doing your uh, full timed practice test. And what I did was between sections, I would reset the wristwatch to straight up 12 o'clock and I would take the pin out so that it would stay there until the proctor said, okay, you may turn to section whatever, push the pin in and each LSAT practice session or the real um, sections are 35 minutes long and so I could plainly see how much time I had left. So only use a wristwatch on the real test if you've been using this for um, all of your practice 
test and you're really comfortable with using it because if you forget to reset it or don't push the pin in then suddenly you feel a little jolted so you might be thinking okay how much is it going to cost if i do the self-study route well i'll tell you um the power score books are around 30 dollars a piece and i recommend both the logic games bible and the logical reasoning bible there is um, a lot of LSAT reading comprehension Bible. I did not do that because I felt like my reading comprehension was fine and I probably didn't need more improvement than just plain old practice, which you're going to get plenty of while you're doing the LSAT study practice test. Um, so the power score books, the two I recommend are around $30. So multiply that by two, you're at $60. And then for the practice test, they run about $8 a piece. And those can also be purchased on amazon.com or directly from the law school admissions counselor, which is the uh, publisher of those practice tests. They're the real thing, just um, tests that were administered in the past. So those are $8 a piece, regardless if you get them from the LSAC, which you can do directly by logging on to www.lsac.org. And I recommend between 10 and 20. So if you um, factor in the power score books and the practice tests, if you were to purchase between 10 and 20 of those tests, you're looking at a grand total of around $160 to $220. So that is much cheaper than doing the um, formal actual preparatory course route. But again, um, it's really worth paying the extra if you feel that that is the best route for you because you don't want to assume you can do the self-study route and you find yourself a month before the exam not prepared. So as I mentioned previously, I did the self-study method, um, not only because of the cost involved with doing the formal prep course, but also um, I was working as a full-time paralegal and also taking full-time classes. Uh, during the time that I needed to prepare and so timing was an issue and so was expense and I really do well self-studying on my own because I tend to be um, motivated and I really want to think for myself and figure out these concepts on my own. So I felt fairly confident that I could commit to doing this. Um, also, I felt that um, I by taking a practice test cold even before I started my prep journey, uh, I was able to kind of get an indication of uh, where I stood, how much work was involved to improve. I knew um, from my base score how many points I needed to improve upon to get into the schools that I really wanted to be at. So it really was a great motivator. And also you can use this in the future as um, kind of a progress point or it's your base point. So in the future, when you're taking practice tests and getting that score, you can say, oh, this is great. I've improved five points. Of course, the downside on this is if you only improve one point or no points or maybe you even go backwards, which can happen, then it can be very frustrating. But um, another good thing about taking the practice tests cold, your very first one before you begin the process, it can also panic you into studying. It can be a good motivator. Um, if you take that first practice test and you get a terrible, lousy score, then um, depending on the type of person you are, it could go both ways. You could either say, oh, there is no way I'm going to ever do well with this. I give up, which 
in which case, um, law, you're not ready for law school because I think that there's going to be so many frustrations along this process that, um, this isn't for you if you give up that easy. Um, however, <laughs> it can also be, like I said, a good motivator and basically say, you know what, it's time to get busy here because I have work to do. It's also a good preview for what you will be focused on for the next six months. If you take the practice test and you say, there is no way I can ever do another one of these, I can't look at it ever again, um, then again, this isn't the right time for you to be working on this. The first step after taking your first cold, what I'll call a diagnostic test, is to read and learn about the concepts first. I made the mistake of taking several practice tests before I really sat down and read the power score Bibles. And all it did for me was make me very frustrated because I would take the test not really understanding or knowing what I needed to be doing to take it successfully and be good at it. And I really was kind of beating myself up over it. Like, okay, this is my third test. Why aren't I improving? Well, you really have to learn the concepts. And so I recommend six months before you want to take the LSAT. So for instance, I took the LSAT in June. So I started reading about um, six months out. So in January. And it took me about two months to work through the Power Score Bibles. And um, so, you know, four months out in the end of February, that was when I was really ready to start focusing on the practice exams. Before you do the practice exams and after you have read both of the Power Score Bibles, that's the logical reasoning and the logic games, read the end of chapter summaries to kind of refresh in your memory. If there's something that you don't remember or a concept that you just do not know automatically, then make flashcards to quiz yourself. Power Score is really great about saying, okay, for this type of question, you're looking for an answer um, a correct answer choice that has this type of response. The incorrect answer choice is going to contain XYZ. And so it almost makes it a little scientific, but there is some memory involved. So making flashcards can help you um, memorize those key concepts and make them automatic. Also, when you begin taking timed practice tests, the keyword being timed, do not cheat. Do not allow yourself extra time after time is up and actually go ahead and start bubbling in your answers because you don't want a false sense of security um, with your test score results. You don't want to say, oh, I'm doing great. I've got this number. Well, yeah, you spent, you know, 60 minutes or 90 minutes on each section when you're only allotted 35. So really act like it's the real thing. Um, there are four uh, scored sections and an experimental section on the real test. So technically five sections, but one is not scored because one is experimental. One common mistake that I actually made toward the beginning of my test prep uh, journey is I would take the prep tests that are given to me and they're, they're just four sections. And I would take the time and, and do the timed practice test with just the four sections. The problem with that is the, the test is very emotionally and mentally draining. And it's physically also, you're sitting there for three and a half hours taking this test. On test day, you're going to have a fifth section. That means 35 minutes 
additionally beyond what you would have been used to if you were only taking four section tests. So you really need to actually take another practice test and just use that to supplement the four section practice tests. So you're going to have this extra practice test that you're just going to rip apart each section and use that as a fifth section. So that's really important because that way you can get your endurance up and really simulate what it's going to be like on test day. You must, must, must review your practice test either later that day or the next day. Do it with a fresh mind when you're not going to be as frustrated and you can kind of understand uh, where you went wrong or maybe why an answer choice was correct. If you don't do this, you're losing a key preparation tactic. You must look at the practice test again with a fresh mind. If you ever need guidance on why you got a particular question wrong, um, you have two options. This is if you're doing a self-study prep and we're assuming that you don't have an instructor right there available to you. Um, first, you could log on to online forums like toplawschools.com and ask the other members if they uh, had any difficulty with the same uh, prep test and question number and whether or not anyone has any tips for helping you solve why a particular answer choice was the correct answer choice. Uh, also, you could log on to uh, blogs and one of them that I really enjoyed that was actually very helpful to me during my process was the um, ACE the LSAT blog, which is managed by Steve Schwartz. He is a professional LSAT tutor in New York, and his web address is lsatblog.blogspot.com. And I actually participated in his uh, weekly LSAT diaries, which was really great for me because they held me accountable and helped me process what I was learning and going through. Basically, every week, I would compile a few page um, journal entry of what I had learned and what my experience had entailed for that week. And visitors to the website were actually commenting on my weekly diaries, which really kind of motivated me and helped me um, through the process. So definitely check that out. You could also, as a third option, purchase one of PowerScore's deconstructed books, which contain three LSATs with full explanations. And these explanations, because they're from PowerScore, are going to have the same language and concepts that you learned in the PowerScore Bibles. They are pretty costly. They contain uh, the real official LSAT prep test, but then also contain PowerScore's explanations for every single question on that test. It's important to not panic if you do not see improvement until after several tests. Um, it might take, you know, five, six, seven before you really see a good score improvement. If you're not seeing your score improve after six or seven tests, it may be because you are not actually reviewing the uh, incorrect questions that you answered incorrectly. Um, it, it's very well possible that you might think that you're reviewing the test after you've taken it, but you aren't. You're really just skimming it and saying, oh yeah, I got that one wrong, which it's a frustrating situation and your, your ego is bruised a bit when you do it. So I can certainly understand why you would kind of skim through and try to skate by without really thoroughly examining the test. Don't panic if you cannot complete all of the sections within the allotted time. That 35 minutes goes fast. Um, for instance, for the logic games, there um, are 
so many that you are really only given, I think it's like seven minutes for each game. And for the logical reasoning, you have like a minute, a minute and a half to complete each question. So it, not only is it a test of endurance, it's also speed and skill and accuracy and how you perform under the gun. So don't panic if you cannot complete all of the sections. Um, but you also must stop when the time is up. Otherwise, you will not have a true indication of your progress. You could attempt the question at a later time, but do not compile those results into your final practice test score because, again, your results will be skewed and you won't really know how you're doing. So now that you know how to prepare, you need to know how to register for the real thing. The LSAT is administered four times a year in February, June, and then the fall administration is either in September or October. It alternates each year. And then the fourth administration is in December. My advice is to take the test in June. If you're unhappy with your score or on test day you need to cancel because of some crazy circumstance, you can still take the test again in September or October, whichever month it is administered in. And that administration would still be early enough that you'll be in good shape to get everything done early. You need to register for the LSAT with the Law School Admissions Council. Again, that web address is www.lsac.org, L-S-A-C, and the cost is $132. Now, if you are concerned about paying the cost, um, that $132 is, of course, a lot of money, and you think that you might qualify for a fee waiver, um, you should certainly apply, and that's done through the Law School Admissions Council, and it is pretty difficult to, my understanding is that you have to be in a pretty financially uh, dire situation, but it's certainly worth applying for because it would waive that $132 LSAT registration fee. And then also later on down the line, it would waive the uh, credential assembly service fee, which I think is around $120. There is also a late registration fee. If you wait until just a few weeks before to register, there is an additional fee. And plus, you run the risk of your preferred test center being filled up. There is also a cancellation fee if you cancel within the few weeks just before the test. So you would get a refund less that cancellation fee. If you're thinking about taking the LSAT in the September-October administration, I would caution you to avoid a test center that is hosting a home football game. I considered retaking, and this would have meant that September-October administration, and among other factors, the fact that there would have been a home football game at the test center at that time uh, persuaded me to not attempt retaking the exam. I mean, I just cannot imagine parking, uh, nightmare, tailgaters, marching band, etc. Those are not the kind of distractions I want to have to deal with on test day. It's also important that once you have registered and you know your test site, your admission ticket will be available a few days before the actual test. It will give the address of your test center. It usually will not give the room number. It'll just give the building address. So ask around at your undergrad or people you know who have already taken the LSAT. It's possible that they've taken it at that same test center. The rooms do not change often, so you can usually, in a roundabout way, figure out where you will actually be taking the test. So ask yourself, 
Will parking be an issue? Is there road construction nearby that you're going to have to battle on the way there? How early do I need to leave to allow for last minute emergencies and unforeseen delays? Plan to arrive with 15 minutes to just sit in your car or on a park bench and relax. Just breathe easy and kind of regroup before you go into the test center. The night before the test, you want to pack your clear Ziploc quart size baggie with five sharpened pens, a non-electronic pencil sharpener, highlighter, your driver's license or state-issued ID, your admission ticket, a snack, and a beverage. Check the LSAC rules on what is and is not allowed. Um, I remember those items were all permitted uh, when I took the exam, but, you know, they could change at any time. Try to relax. Ban the word test, law, and application from your vocabulary. You don't need anything that's going to keep you energized or uh, jazzed up about the exam when you're trying to go to sleep. Lay your clothes out the night before. Um, this will kind of help you in the morning just to easily get up, get ready, and go. Also, think about wearing clothes that you're very comfortable in. Um, I mean, I didn't totally slum it, but I wore uh, track pants and a t-shirt, and then I also wore a cardigan in case if I got cold. You're not allowed to wear anything with a hood, so don't wear like a hoodie or um, zip-up hooded jacket or anything like that. On test day, do not panic. I know that's probably easier said than done. Do not tell yourself that this test determines the rest of your life, what law school you will go to, if at all, etc. Rather, tell yourself this test simply determines whether you will have to take the test again, period. Do you see the difference in that? One is life-changing and the other is, okay, in a few more months, I'm going to have to go through this process again. Not a big deal. On testing, you want to wake up at your usual time that you're accustomed to, eat your usual breakfast, and wear those comfortable clothes that you set out the night before. Oh, and ladies, this might seem trivial, but wear a headband if you're worried about bangs obstructing your view. I'm not kidding. Your face will be down at your desk for four hours straight. Talk about a stiff neck. The last thing you need to do is be brushing your hair out of the way when you're supposed to be bubbling in your answers. Leave plenty early. The June test is at noon, so don't forget to eat lunch. Just relax and breathe. After the test, try your best to forget about it. There is no sense in trying to remember what was on that test. I literally walked out of the test center and could not remember any one question on the exam. Also, stay off of the online forums. This breeds anxiety. Forums like toplawschools.com, um, Law School Discussion, you know, these are really great sites and I picked up a lot of helpful tips on there, but the day after the test, everyone is going to be on there trying to remember what was on the exam and what the correct answer choice was. First of all, it's actually illegal to be talking about the test exam because, for instance, students who took the test on the East Coast might be finished with the exam before people on the West Coast have actually taken it. So while it's rare that someone could actually pick up a tip this way, you're not supposed to be talking about it. Second of all, this, like I mentioned, is only going to breed anxiety. No one knows for sure what the correct answer choice was, possibly because it's really hard to remember all of the logistics and all of the um, answer choices on that particular question. So you're only speculating, and that's just useless. Also, um, 
sites like toplawschools.com, someone will start a thread saying, here's the chat room, and you'll be up for four hours after you're already exhausted and totally beat from taking the test. You're going to be sitting in on a chat room for four hours just, again, speculating on what was or not on the test. It's just ridiculous. So stay off of the online forums. You need to realize that at this point, there's nothing you can do but just wait for your score. Do not cancel your score because you're feeling unconfident. Cancel your score if you totally flaked out and you know you answered fewer questions, and I mean a lot fewer, than you normally could during your timed practice test. You should also cancel if you completely misbubbled. Otherwise, don't cancel just because you're feeling kind of shaky about how you did. I think everyone walks out of the test center feeling unconfident, scared, worried, etc. Um, while you're waiting for your results, you should go ahead and work on your personal statement, your letter of recommendation, your resume, etc. And I'm going to talk about these items in my next podcast. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to send me an email at lawschooldreamer at gmail.com. My next podcast, I will spend some time on the actual application materials, such as the personal statement, letter of recommendation, resume, diversity statements, and amendments. I hope that this was helpful to you and that you'll consider tuning in to future podcasts.